From UW Tacoma, this is Pod Defiance. Welcome to Pod Defiance, where we don't lecture, but we do educate. I'm Eric Wilson Edge. Today on the Pod 2020, this is the first in a series of episodes devoted to this past year. We're going to start things off with a series of reflections from UW Tacoma students, faculty, and staff. First up, staff member Teanjali Leon. My name is Teanjali Leon. I work at UW Tacoma as a completion coach in the Office of Student Success. And I guess this is the 2020 Good, Bad, and Ugly kind of interview for the UW Tacoma podcast. Um, Eric, I have to be honest with you, more honest than I have been. Yes, you know, things have been hard because I'm a parent and I'm working and I have two little kids. And yes, I was helping take care of a friend who um, had COVID. But another reason why I just have been putting this off until the last minute is because of how vulnerable I've kind of committed myself to being. Um, and it's scary, but I'm glad that I'm doing it. Um, just kind of like a content warning, I will talk about suicide ideation and depression. So I just want anybody listening to know that that's coming up. Um, you gave us some general questions to consider, but I'm going to kind of go with what I had planned on talking about. And I guess I just want to say, like, 2020 has easily been the worst year of my life. And for those of you who don't know, I had my second kid this year. So that's really telling you something because that's supposed to be an amazing thing, right? Um, At the same time, I'm so glad that this year happened to me because I honestly don't know what my life would look like right now or even like next year if the pandemic hadn't forced me to stay home. Um, So yeah, I recently, like within the last month or two, went on medication for depression and anxiety. Um, And I've been living with depression and anxiety since I was like 16 years old, so over a decade. But I didn't realize that really it's something that I've been suffering from for over 20 years. And really like my whole life, I've just spent it surviving. Um, always distracting myself. If you, if you don't know me, I try to be like a high achiever. I'm always putting myself into everything that I do. I'm going to school. I put myself into that. I'm at work. I put myself into that. I have my first kid. I put myself into that. Um, and if you're not a parent, and if you've never been a stay at home parent, then you might not know that's a recipe for, you know, like exacerbating postpartum depression. Um, and that's what happened last time. And then it happened again this time. Um, I, I had the escape of going to work. I had the escape of being around other people and being able to distract, distract myself from my own like personal trauma and my own depression and anxiety and issues. That was what I used work for. That was what I used going to school for. Um, and I thought I was fine, but I wasn't fine. I was just surviving. I was not living my life. And uh, 
the pandemic and being forced to stay home for, let's see, for me, it's been nine months. Yeah, it's been a little over nine months. Um, it really forced me to be with myself and be with my feelings and my trauma and my emotions. And I didn't, I didn't have the distractions anymore. There wasn't someone always coming into my office to, to keep away those wondering thoughts. And like a lot of bad things happened to everybody this year and I'm not excluded from that. Like at one point, my family didn't have anywhere to live. Um, and so like all of that bad stuff still happened, but it's, it's a really dark place where when you're like, I don't necessarily want to kill myself, but I don't want to live. I don't want to die, I guess, but I don't want to live. If something bad were to happen to me, I wouldn't move out of the way. And that was where I was. Um, every time my daughter cried, I tensed up and I realized this is a trigger. Her crying is triggering me. That's a problem. And there was one day I just ran out of my apartment. I ran away from my kid crying. Um, and it was like an, it was an epiphany. Like this is, this isn't going to work and I can't live like this and I can't go on like this. And I don't know if I don't do something about this now, I don't know how much longer I will be able to hold on. And that's not like, this is about the pandemic, but that's not about the pandemic, right? Like that's just the state my life was in. Uh, but I say all of this to say, like, if the pandemic hadn't forced me to be at home, I wouldn't have been in a situation to to be that in tune with myself and really um, start to investigate and get to the root of my own problems. So for that, um, it's been terrible. But at the same time, it's been so good because even in just a few short months between the work that I've started doing on myself for the first time in more than 20 years, like I'm happy and I am looking forward to the future and time doesn't feel like something in, in that's going to be happening. It, I feel myself and I'm here right now. Um, and I can be, I can smile and I can laugh and I can find the good in things. And it's not something I'm pretending because I know that that's what I'm supposed to say. It's something that I truly feel. Um, and so, you know, I, I brought all of this up and I, I kind of framed 2020 um, with my depression because like part of this is healing for me, right? Like I, I'm tired of hiding and I can't hide anymore because it wasn't doing me any good and like my survival depends on it. Um, but at the same time, if anybody who's listening to this has felt any of these things or all of these things, um, you're not alone like depression and anxiety doesn't have a face or a typical person that that it looks like um and things don't have to be super terrible bad for you like bad's relative right so be validated in your feelings and then seek the help and support that you need don't be ashamed of that there's there's stigma but there shouldn't be um and you know you have to take care of yourself and do what's best for yourself because your life is worth living um and so I, I just thought it was sorry my computer I just thought it was um important that I that I say that 
Um, and in kind of framing it with all of that, now I can kind of get to get to all of the questions. Um, the pandemic impacted my professional and personal life. You know, obviously the way that I already discussed, but the pandemic allowed me to leave a really toxic work environment from my previous position um, and come to my job at UWT. But at the same time, it's really changed. Like I've had to recalibrate what I'm able to do. Because as before, you know, I could just get things done. I was a doer. I was so task oriented. But now I'm parenting two kids and one of those kids is nursing. Um, so something that I could do in a day sometimes takes me a week or two weeks. Or in the case of this, um, yeah, it's looking like three weeks when Eric asked me for this recording originally. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's that. In my personal life. For, a, for most of the pandemic, it was really rough on my personal life. But then when I took stock of what I needed to do for myself, things got better. Um, nine months into the pandemic, how am I holding up? What adjustments have I made to my life? Again, I'm holding up great now. Um, it's I can cope so much better now. And the adjustment that I made to my life was putting myself first taking care of my mental health. Um, as somebody who works with students and somebody who knows that they have anxiety and depression, this is something that I'm a big proponent of. I'm a number one cheerleader, number one supporter. It's always the first thing I say to people, but I wasn't practicing that in my own life. Um, and it showed and it took its toll on me and my family. And so that's something that I, I am doing now and it's in just two months, like I'm already seeing the benefits of it. Um, what's bringing me joy? <laughs> aside from aside from my children bringing me joy because these kids are hilarious when I tell you man um let's see I would say so my family recently just moved into our new home my partner and I bought our first house and like that's plenty joyful by itself but we have room to like really get into the kitchen the way that we like to um, food is a love language for us and we both come from families that are really into cooking and so it's been bringing me a lot of joy to just like be able to go to the kitchen and throw down and eat you know three meals a day that have been cooked and made with love um, it's making a lot more dishes I'm buying a lot more groceries but if I was at work I wouldn't be able to enjoy my home and enjoy cooking the way that I have been able to um, and then let's see can you imagine what a return to normalcy will look like? What are you hoping for? Do you anticipate your life will return to as before? Or will some habits or ways of doing things that you've adopted in the past year stick with you? Um, I, I really, I talk about this, you know, if not at work with somebody, then definitely at home, just about every day. I really hope that there isn't a return to normalcy for most things. Um, I think within our society and within our culture, and when I say that I mean like Americanness, um, right? And so, really, what we're saying is uh, we're, we're saying whiteness, okay? Um, within that, there's these, there's this idea of like, oh, we do this the way that we're doing it because we've always done it that way, and it's worked for all the people in the past before, so we don't need to change it. But the thing about that is, even before COVID things had changed. The people who it was working for before are not the same people who needed to work for them now. Also, it's not working. 
And so, you know, that's general. I'm hoping that that changes. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that there's an opportunity for not just me, but other people to have a flexible work schedule where sometimes I work from home and sometimes I work at work. I'm hoping that I'm able to bring my kids into the office. Um, if, you know, if they're, if they aren't going to school or that I have a work schedule where I work for 10 hour days or, you know, I have a day off during the week and then I work on a weekend. We've already shown that it's possible and it's like it works better for the workers sometimes and it works better for the students sometimes. Why wouldn't we make ourselves available that way if it benefits, you know, more than just the students or the staff people? Um, but, you know, that's just one facet. That's just one way that I, I kind of hope it doesn't ret return to normal. I guess a normal thing that I would want is like being able to see my friends and, and hug and go to my grandma's house and not have to wear a mask around her and stay outside because it's Washington. It's too cold and rainy for that. But um, do I think my life will return to as before or will some habits or ways of doing things that you've adopted in the past years stick with you? Yeah, I, I think another thing too is I'm definitely uh, going to continue I'm going to continue to get better at it and like doing it more and doing it more um, consistently, but it's n it's not going away because I don't want to go back to that place again. I'm, I really have to take care of myself. Again, it's something that I say a lot. If, you know, if you've known me, you know that I say that a lot. It's probably advice that I've given you. Um, so it seems hypocritical <laughs> that I wasn't following it. Um, but that's why it's so important for me to say like I paid the price. I, and I was paying the price silently for 20 years, um, and it was really bad over the last 10. Uh, again, to the point that I was just, I didn't want to do it anymore. And when I say it, I mean like life. Um, so, so I'm definitely going to keep taking care of myself, keep going to therapy, keep taking my medication, uh, and keep doing things that like feed my spirit and, and feed myself, and really just decolonize like the childhood that my children have and and investigate ways to kind of love the child that I that I was and be the person that I needed myself to be um, because like most people that's where a lot of the trauma stems from and it's manifested as an adult um, and that's no shade to my parents I have great parents they were just working with what they had and you know that it wasn't it wasn't everything right um let's see Oh, I, d I did want to uh, say, you know, I don't want to be insensitive to people who have suffered, like, l loss of life um, or, or loss of other really important things to them this year. Um, there's a lot of bad stuff that went on, and even all the things that I did experience, I am, I'm lucky and I know that. And so I, I do want to send sincere condolences to everybody who lost somebody, um, and I want to express my deepest gratitude to frontline workers uh, who suffered egregious abuses and traumas by the facilities that they work in. And, you know, that's grocery, that's retail, that's food service, transportation, healthcare, um, all of that. Um, you guys really deserved better, so thank you for what you did for us. Um, let's see. I guess the only other thing that I would add is... And I think it's important to bring up because it uniquely and specifically impacted me 
throughout the pandemic, throughout COVID, throughout having a, a child this year. Um, she wasn't a COVID baby, by the way. I was pregnant with her last year. Um, I was... I, I stayed home and I was home with my kid and then at some point my two kids and my partner and we're all black people. Um, and so on top of this pandemic that's never ending, I was subjected to the, like the sensationalization and the viralization of continued racial violence um, against black people and and really just like the criminalization of blackness and that's something that we experience every summer um like it, it spikes in the summertime um and it's something that we experience every day the thing that was different about it this year was a couple of things and this is uh some of it unique to me some of it you know everybody probably felt this everybody you know a lot of black people um the thing that was unique to me is i was having a kid this year and, and so, you know, you're pregnant with your, and you're black and you have your black kid that you're pregnant with and people are so excited for you. And, and I even had two former classmates who were texting me because they were pregnant too. Um, and they were like, oh, we're all pregnant. This is so exciting. We're all having babies, blase, blase. And they were white or they, they are white, white women. And there's nothing wrong with you being excited for me. And there's nothing wrong with you being excited for you having a kid's awesome if you know if you're into that kind of thing cool the trouble was I was already dealing with this depression that I've been dealing with I'm already stir crazy from this pandemic I already have a black son and I kind of went through this already in 2017 um and, th and then it's something I deal with every day now I'm bringing another black kid into the world and at some point it feels really irresponsible and it's not exciting it's scary you know, I can't, I'm pregnant and I'm supposed to be walking every day. I can't even do that at any time of day, day, night, morning, it doesn't matter, um, without feeling scared that somebody might shoot me simply for being black. And here I am bringing another kid into this world. It, it's hard to feel excited sometimes. Um, so, you know, there was that. Um... And, the, you know, the other part of it is it's draining. And this is something that, you know, might have been felt more universally. But again, we're not a monolith, so I don't want to say we all felt it. Pregnant or not pregnant, I had to go to work and pretend that I was fine. And not saying my supervisor was ignorant to the facts. I don't mean that. Because she wasn't. Um, what I mean is the ways that this truly and deeply affects me and and affects you know other other people of color other black people there aren't days in your in your benefits that are like you know racial violence recovery day what is that is that a sick day is that vacation is it bereavement um it, does it count as mental health i don't know but it, the other thing too is i can't accrue enough of them you can't give me enough of them because I don't get to pick and choose. Just because this person died on this day and I saw it on the news doesn't mean that that day or the next day is the day I'm going to feel bad about it or feel sad. Um, it, it just happens when it happens because it's so constant. It's always there. Um, 
And so it was, it was particularly hard this year to experience all of this, you know, long time happening, racial turmoil and have it constantly. Like the news was COVID or a black person is dead. Um, and the police are going free or, you know, someone called the cops on somebody in Central Park and pretended that this black person was hurting them. And that's real. And it happens every day. And it was surprising and it was horrible and it was um, news to everybody else. And it wasn't news to me. Thank you for listening. And thank you to UW Tacoma's Kim Davenport for her rendition of Old Lang Syne. Be sure to like and subscribe. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast directories. Thank you.